this episode of Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom, Andrew Rose looks at the story of Jesus appearing to Thomas and reflects on the way our own doubts and uncertainties can help to strengthen our faith in the risen Jesus. We are people who doubt things that perhaps we should be certain of, and probably that's as true of the resurrection as of anything else. That there must be times when we, having lived in certainty of the resurrection, we have doubts that it can be true. But I want to reflect on Thomas and think about the stage from time when Jesus appeared and he didn't, wasn't there to see Jesus for himself, and to the week later when he becomes absolutely certain and declares Jesus my Lord and my God. And the stages on that journey, which I think are stages that we can use, where our doubt can lead us to certainty. Lord, you accept our doubts and embrace our questions. Like a wise parent encouraging your children to express themselves. Hiding your hurt at our scepticism always hoping for the best and seeing our potential. We worship and adore you for believing in us. Amen. John chapter 20 verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, he declared, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was among them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hand, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. 
but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We thank God for his word. One of the things about getting older is that we end up probably having to take those daily pills for all sorts of things. Now, some of the pills that I have are very useful because they have the day of the week on which the pills are taken, which is very useful. But I have some pills that don't have a day on. And I'm sure like me, you've had days when you think, did I have that pill this morning? Or didn't I? And you think about it and you go through your routine and you said, yeah, I'm fairly sure I have. But I'm really I'm not sure whether I took them or not. And you rack your brains. Now, if you're like me, that doesn't happen just every few months. It seems to happen about once a week at the moment. And I feel very uncertain. And I doubt my own sort of sanity at times, whether I've actually got round to taking those tablets or not. Having doubts like that is very much part and parcel of being a human, where we begin to doubt those things which probably we should know are true. And one of the reasons that I like the character Thomas is that he has all those human frailties. He is one who doubts. He misses out when Jesus appears to the disciples the first time. And when they say he's alive, he is not sure that he can actually accept it. It's almost too much to take in. And so even though everything seems to point to the fact that Jesus is alive from what others have said, he has those doubts and those uncertainties. And actually, as I say, he's very much like you and me. We are people who doubt things that perhaps we should be certain of. And probably that's as true of the resurrection as of anything else. That there must be times when we, having lived in certainty of the resurrection, we have doubts that it can be true. But I want to reflect on Thomas and think about the stage from that week when he first the time when Jesus appeared and he didn't wasn't there to see Jesus for himself and to the week later when he becomes absolutely certain and declares Jesus my Lord and my God and the stages on that journey which I think are stages that we can use where our doubt can lead us to certainty certainly doubt can lead us to new possibilities. I read a story some years ago about a woman called Martine Wright, who probably means absolutely nothing to you at all. But she was uh, severely injured in the 7-7 bomb attack in London, which you may remember on the London Underground. She lost both her legs in that tragedy and was very lucky to survive. That was in 2005. 
And the thing that I read about her was that she, seven years later, she managed to take part in the Olympics in the Olympic paraplegic volleyball team. She overcame those problems and difficulties and was determined that she was going to be successful. Uh, I know since that she has married, she's had children, and she has not satisfied with being a paraplegic uh, volleyball player. She now uh, has a pilot's license and flies as well. A remarkable woman. She went through a tremendous tragedy, but seems never to have let that prevent her from seeing what she was able to do. And she said this, I've never been angry towards the bomber. I just thought that what he did was a selfish thing to do. He was brainwashed. I know other survivors who still have nightmares, but I don't. I was lucky because I survived to be able to create new dreams from something so negative. Those disciples on that time, first time Jesus appeared to them would have been absolutely desperate. I'm sure they would because they had had high hopes for what Jesus could do for them. They were certain that he was going to lead them into his new kingdom. They had a probably picture of what that would be. And yet their whole world had been turned upside down. Jesus had been crucified on a cross. He had uh, left them. They had gone into hiding. They were fearful. They were at rock bottom. And yet, through that experience of Jesus appearing to him, their lives were transformed. We read that Jesus came and granted them peace. That he challenged them to go out and to preach his word to really move from what seemed impossible to the possible. Their lives became transformed. They were able to have a new confidence, a new inner sense of peace, the strength to move forward, to share their knowledge and understanding of Christ with others. They had been given new resources to be able to make something of their life. Out of all those doubts and uncertainties, they were able to see the possibilities of what they were now able to do. We maybe have experienced people like Martine and others who have had tragedy in their life. And sometimes, especially during the lockdown, when we perhaps have been less affected than others, some of us, we look at the lives of others and we can be thankful for what we have and recognise that there are new possibilities for us to make the most out of our experiences and take them forward. God is calling us to make the most of the possibilities, not to dwell on the negatives, but to move forward positively. Our doubts can lead us to see new possibilities. I'm sure we've all had projects during the uh, the lockdown. I, I have had a major project during lockdown. I have had about 2000 slides 
which were some belonged to my father and some were ones I took before we got into the more digitalized camera age. Uh, slides going back, uh, back to the 60s, 70s and 80s, uh, a time when my children were born. I've been right through all my slides and uh, I've now had them digitalized and able to enjoy again seeing those pictures. But I saw pictures of me on my wedding day. That's quite a shock because I had long hair then. <laughs> it was the mid 70s. Uh, my wife wore glasses and had long hair. She's now got short hair and wears contact lenses. We looked quite different. But I remember that wedding day. And I remember standing there making those vows, as probably many of you can remember as well. And yes, it was a joyful day, but let's be honest, lads. I'm sure there were a few doubts and uncertainties in your mind as you stood there and might about to make those vows and uh, commit your life to somebody else. What it might mean you were having to give up. We were being called to make promises that were lifelong promises. To accept the challenge, to make a commitment, to fulfill them every day of our lives. And again, I don't think those doubts and uncertainties are anything for us to be concerned about. They're a necessary part of the process that before we make a deep commitment, we need to understand that there will be our natural reservations on our, on our doubts. And just as we have made that commitment, I'm sure that Thomas was the same, that he had all those doubts. He didn't feel he could make that commitment, but he was led to that point where he could say, my Lord and my God. The doubt was part of the process to coming to be able to fulfill that commitment. Just a word of warning, though, uh, it doesn't want to be a blind commitment. There are people who make commitments. We were talking rugby earlier, but I'm thinking about football, rugby managers, uh, politicians or others who make commitments and, and are so certain that they will be able to fulfill those commitments. And they stand up and make those statements only then perhaps to turn around a few weeks, months later and realise that they made a bad mistake. Their commitment is a kind of blind commitment more to themselves. And as Christians, our commitment is not to ourselves, but our commitment is to God. And it starts from recognising that actually fulfilling that commitment is not something we can do on our own. What we need is the strength of God who recognises our weakness and is able to give us the strength to fulfil that commitment. And when we fall short and when we show times of weakness, we know that we can call upon him to ensure that we can indeed act out as he's calling us to do, that we can be forgiven and we can be put right with him. That as we confront our doubts, we don't confront them alone, but he helps us through them to ensure that we are able to fulfill the commitment that we have made to him. Doubt is a part of the process to leading to commitment. And also I want to say that doubt can be also quite a painful thing to go through. You know, it's it's quite hard to make promises and, and to 
stand up for what you believe. And sometimes it's much easier for us to deal with things in a very black and white way, to be quite dogmatic. That if we have a list in front of us that can tell us, yes, this is what you believe, this is what you don't believe, then that can be used as a prop. It cuts out the thinking process really for us. But I, I'm sure like me, you've found that actually, as you start thinking about things, then all kinds of questions, doubts and uncertainties come into your mind. And it can be quite a painful experience as you grow in the faith. Normally at this time of year, it would be the, the London Marathon and those who take part in the London Marathon don't just turn up and run. They go through months and months of training, building up to be able to run the 26 miles. There is a lot of pain to go through before they can reach the time when they can come to fulfill their desire to complete that marathon. But they feel that the, the pain and the anguish and the worry and the doubts beforehand actually inspire them to move forward and achieve their goal. And a Christian life is much the same, that to fulfill our goal, we're going to experience rejection. We're going to find that things we try and do go wrong, that there will be personal hardships that we will face, that routes that we think are straightforward will actually find that they are blocked off and we have to go down other roads to get where we go. But just as the marathon runners, they don't train beforehand alone. They have others who go through the pain together. So we too have each other. We have a community that supports us. Other people who are going through the same doubts and uncertainties and troubles who are with us to help us on that journey, to help us, to encourage us, to make us move forward positively. And I would love to have been around in that week between when Jesus appeared to the disciples and when he made that declaration of his faith. Because I'm sure that the other disciples were there talking endlessly about not just what had happened, but what they felt like inside. How, yes, they had doubts and uncertainties, but they were sure that Jesus was alive. They felt totally different inside. They felt a new strength, a new power, a new desire to move forward. They could say to Thomas, yes, we've been through all that pain. We've been through all that anguish. But we have found fulfillment in knowing that Jesus is alive and with us. So we can be encouraged and should encourage one another to make sure that we help each other on the journey, that when we encounter doubts or when we meet others who have doubts, that we are there to strengthen them and help them on their journey. As a church, we're in an interesting period at the moment, aren't we, where we're waiting to come back into live worship again, when we're going to rethink what we do as a church. 
people have i've read articles and heard people say well the church probably has, has had its had its day now people won't go back to church but we will be a different type of church i'm sure but rather than kind of batten down the hatches and pretend that there aren't challenges ahead i would like to encourage us all to rise to the challenge that though we may have doubts let us be driven forward to look for how we can encourage and help one another to fulfill God's word. That we are seeking to have a better understanding, a better truth. And I believe that all of society is are facing the same questions. I came across a while ago uh, something called a heathen manifesto written sorry by, by a it was written by a, um, I think he would call himself an agnostic it may have a humanist but certainly a man who was not anti-religion but just couldn't find that he could make that step towards knowing God um, and he was he was interesting in that he was really thinking about um, Dawkins Richard Dawkins who seemed to be so anti-religion and he was saying, look, actually, the majority of us who are atheists are not anti-religion at all. We actually believe we have share lots of things in common. And I'd just like to share a couple of the statements within that, because I think they are revealing and may help us in our way forward. In this heathen manifesto, he says, we believe in not being tone deaf to religion. And to understand it, it in the most charitable way possible. So we support religions when they work to promote values we share, including those of social justice and compassion. Our willingness to accept what is good in religion is balanced by an equally honest commitment to be critical of it when necessary. We object when religion invokes mystery to avoid difficult questions or to obfuscate when clarity is needed. And although there are, our general stance is not one of hostility towards religion, there are some occasions when this is exactly what is called for. When religions promote prejudice, division or discrimination, suppress truth or stand in the way of medical or social progress, a hostile response is an appropriate and principled one, just as it is when atheists are guilty of the same crimes. There's quite a bit more to that, but it did strike me that actually there's a lot that we share in common, that we're searching for truth, we're searching for the values that will build society, not destroy it. And if we have doubts, uncertainties about where we're going in moving forward, I'd encourage us all to be strengthened by sharing not with each other within our church, but within the community at large sharing their ideas, their beliefs, their values, looking for and helping others to persuade, to find the way of truth. And that is the challenge for us, because together, not just us, but the whole of society can move towards bringing about the kind of world which God through Christ has called us to fulfill. You know, many of you know that I am a total cricket nut. And so I will end with a cricketing analogy. 
DRS, Decision Review System, that was brought in for umpires, when it came in, people said, this will be terrible, this will undermine the umpires. There were difficulties, there are still debates about it, but I think the general feeling now is that this has actually helped umpires in making their decisions. Their judgments are much better now because they have a far better understanding of how the game of cricket works. To make those judgments in the instant that actually will help them to be better umpires. In a sense, they have been liberated from their doubts to be more certain. And they have been therefore able to fulfil their calling to be umpires. And I would say to you that we too have probably had our doubts and certainties, but we have not just the testimony of Thomas and those first disciples, we have the example of Jesus himself to help us to understand that actually this is the criteria by which we can judge whether we are doing the right thing. We can have our doubts, but as I remember somebody once said, it's okay to doubt. The problem comes when you doubt your doubts. So let us not doubt our doubts. Let us, like Thomas, move from those doubts to a greater understanding of the possibilities that God has given us. That through our doubts, we can be even more committed to serving his purpose. And through our doubts that we can achieve fulfillment because together we can fight our way through the pain and uncertainty to the understanding that God is at the centre of our lives. So I pray today that all of us may move for, through our doubts and reach that certainty that Thomas did and be able to say, my Lord and my God.
content in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved. <laughs>